We are joined now by Stephen Carr from Locked on Zags podcast. Stephen, good good afternoon. We appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing terrific. I, okay, so we were just talking about this uh, during the break. Ha- have they been tested at all this year? Uh, they were tested against BYU uh, in the sense that they had some real game pressure. And BYU went up double digits on them. They were shooting the lights out. I think they are up 12 at halftime. Uh, and then they took Gonzaga's best punch to start that second half. Gonzaga ended up tying the game. And then BYU responded, and they went up by eight uh, with about eight minutes to go. Um, and I think people forget that Gonzaga was actually down. It's not like they came back and then took over the game altogether. They were down eight with eight minutes to go in that game and had to respond again. And then Jalen Suggs hit the two big threes that ended up giving them the win. So outside of probably December when they faced West Virginia, really the only time they've been tested in a true game sense where they had to you know, make plays down the stretch was that BYU game in the WCC championship. Now, now, I'm not penciling Baylor into the championship, and I'm not penciling Gonzaga into the championship, but if it happens to be, I'm kind of glad now that they didn't play earlier in the year. Yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily a blessing in disguise, but it could be a blessing in disguise because we don't know how the two teams have fared against each other. Uh, it's a game that everybody has wanted, it seems like, since the start of the year. They've been one and two. I don't really care what the rankings say. I think Michigan may have passed Baylor at some point uh, when they were on pause, but they've been the best two teams all season. I think they match up really, really well against each other, um, and I think it would be one of the more anticipated national championship games in quite a while. Steven, to me, Gonzaga has kind of been the standard of basketball, standard of college basketball on the West Coast for about a decade now. How fitting is it for them to have to go through a program like UCLA and all the accomplishments they've been able to achieve to have an opportunity to win a championship? Yeah, I think it's fitting. And I think one of the the main memories that a lot of fans still have of Gonzaga is losing to UCLA in 2006 when Adam Morrison was crying on the floor. Mm -hmm. So um, I know they already beat them once in the tournament since then in 2015, but people kind of forget about that game because that tournament was – uh, I mean, Gonzaga got to the Elite Eight in that tournament, but that tournament was with Kentucky going undefeated and then losing to Wisconsin, who ended up losing to Duke. So that Gonzaga story when they got to the Elite Eight was blown by so many different things. Um, so to get by UCLA with all of their history and then to get by UCLA to kind of exercise that uh, Adam Morrison demon, if you will, uh, would be pretty big for them. How did Mark Few get Drew Timmy to leave the de- leave Texas and come to Gonzaga? Uh, it's a good question. They've kind of developed a Texas pipeline over the last uh, three or four years now. They've gotten a couple grad transfers from Texas. Ryan Woolridge was from North Texas. Uh, Admon Gilder transferred in from Texas A&M. Drew Timmy came in from uh, Texas as well. So I think that they've just got that Texas pipeline going, uh, which, you know, if they could get another part of the country uh, to get, you know, four- and five-star recruits from, they're going to continue to be at this elite level. Talking with Stephen Carr from my Locked On Zags podcast. And, and Stephen, some people, fair or unfair, some people, and some in this room, questioned Gonzaga because of the the conference in which they played. Didn't know that it was, if it was, you know, it was that a fair judgment of them early in the season to say, hang on, I'm not sure that they're the best team in the country because they played they didn't play in that power five type league. It clearly was unfair on, on, on Garrett's part. Wasn't it? That wasn't me. That wasn't, <laughs> oh, it me. wasn't you. Okay. Sorry. It was me. Uh, 
but you know what I'm saying. I mean, they. Yeah, they, yeah I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, Gonzaga has as as they've outgrown the WCC, and they're clearly better than pretty much every team in there on a year-to-year basis. And it'd be great. Like last year, BYU was probably a top five seed in the tournament. St. Mary's was probably a top eight seed in the tournament. That's as top heavy as it's been in and maybe forever. Uh, but the middle of the pack has gotten a lot better, and the bottom of the league has gotten a lot better. The problem is that Gonzaga is the top five team in the country. So, you know, when they're facing teams that are, you know, good mid-major teams, they're still facing teams that are, you know, 75 to 100 in the net. So they're beating teams that they should beat, but they're beating them by 30, sometimes by 40. <laughs> yeah. But you look at it, it's like, well, they're just beating WCC schools. It's like, yeah, but, you know, they're good schools. Um, and like, if you compare them to, like, if you want to use a big 12 school, for example, like Kansas state and Iowa state, like in the net and in Ken Palm, like those are, you know, fifth or sixth in the WCC. So it'd be like the equivalent of beating a Kansas state or an Iowa state all the time by, you know, 25, 30 points. That's very interesting. Uh, do, do you expect Corey Kispert to light UCLA up? I mean, he kind of, by his standards, he had an off night against USC. Right, and he kind of, to be honest, it feels like he's had an off night the last three games. He played really, really well in the first-round game against uh, Norfolk State, but um, he's been fairly quiet, and you look up and he's still averaging like 17 or 18 points in this tournament. But they, he kind of took a back seat in the Oklahoma game to Drew Timmy, who had a career-high 30, and they took a back seat in the Creighton game to Joel Eyi and Andrew Nemhard. And Doug McDermott, after the game, literally came out and said, our goal was to take away Corey Kispert, and it was to take away Jalen Suggs. And for the most part, they did that. Corey Kispert only had one field goal attempt at halftime. Creighton still gave up 43 points and was down 10. So uh, it, it, you can take away Corey Kispert if you want to take away Corey Kispert. They've got six other guys that can beat you. So if they, UCLA is probably going to want to take away Drew Timmy just because he's been an absolute animal the first four games of the tournament. So if they try to take away Drew Timmy, that leads to kickouts and Corey Kispert coming off of a poor shooting night, maybe due for a big one on Saturday against UCLA. North Carolina, Roy Williams has uh, has resigned, and I here we go. Immediately, there's a top five list or top six list, and Mark Few's name was on that list. When Gonzaga fans see that, do they look at that as as a compliment to to the program and to the school, or or do they get a little upset? Hey, quit picking on our guy. We we're we're not giving him up. Well, I think they certainly take it as a compliment, uh, but I think at this point, every time they see Mark Few on one of these lists, they kind of just laugh because there's, there's just no way he's leaving. Um, and he's basically said that. I think this one is just slightly different in a way because he's such good friends with Roy Williams and he has such a respect for North Carolina. If they call, he might take the call and at least talk about it. But there's, just, there's no way he's leaving this program at this point uh, at, at the level that it's been uh, grown to. When you look at that game that they played against USC, I thought Few did a, a really good job of adjusting to the zone and putting Jalen Suggs at the post position. Is that something they've done with him in the past, or was that one of those just those things where you see the you see the right fit and you make that adjustment on the fly? Yeah, so they they didn't really play a whole lot against zone in the regular season. Uh, when they did, it was against Iowa back in December. Uh, and they kind of rotated who was in that high post spot. They used Joel Ayayi a lot there. 
Um, and in this game, they re- kind of rotated. Nemhard played there a little bit. Suggs, obviously, like you said, played there, and Ayayi played there. Um, it's just part of kind of their motion offense against zone. They use this zone overload, kind of get somebody into that high post, and they just have so many different playmakers that can make the right decision when they get into that spot. Uh, and you saw Suggs do it multiple times in that game. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely part of their game plan uh, going into that game. Steven, tell us uh, what uh, what's the podcast got? Uh, Monday through Friday, news and analysis every single day of Gonzaga basketball, Gonzaga women's basketball, Gonzaga baseball, uh, pretty much everything you can name about Gonzaga athletics. Uh, yesterday, actually this morning's episode, we talked to Sean Farnham from ESPN. Uh, he went to and played for UCLA, and he had the WCC package for ESPN, so he's called every single Gonzaga uh, w, uh, ESPN game this year. So he knows both of those teams like the back of his hand. So it was a really good interview with him. Uh, we've got another guest coming on tomorrow. Uh, so just Monday through Friday, a lot of Gonzaga content. Feel free to tune in. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Stephen Carr, we appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Stephen Carr from Locked on Zag.